Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am one of your hosts, Miss Melmoy. I'm the other host, Mr. Craigers. Yes, he is. And we are back for our 69th episode and the fourth giggity. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the next installment of our Friday the 13th uh, series, working our way through, because today is. Well, as of you listening to this, today is a Friday the 13th. Spooky. Uh, and we go into the next one, the next installment, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Yes, it's very exciting. The most misleading title ever. Yes, right? <laughs> because this movie was followed by eight sequels. Eight sequels. And it introduces, like, a fairly prominent character as well. Yes, it does. So, you know... Um, Take the title with a grain of salt, but uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Exciting mm. stuff. Um, but yes, so before we do that, though, we're going to get into some some horror headlines. Um, what have you got on your docket? All right, so it feels like all kinds of stuff is happening these days, doesn't it? Yes. Um, which makes sense. We are moving towards... The official start date for fall. We're moving into spook season. Uh It checks out. Uh, Something that was just announced today, or as of the time of this recording, was that Whoopi Goldberg and Alexander Skarsgård have been cast in Mm -hmm. the Stand uh, limited series, miniseries, I don't know, on CBS All Access. So that's fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they'll both do great. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, obviously playing uh, Randall Flagg. Mother, what's her name? Mother Freeman. Mother, um, Mother Abigail. Abigail. I was like, not Mother Teresa. <laughs> yeah, and Alexander Skarsgård playing uh, Randall Flagg. Randall Flagg. The Dark Man. Yes, the Man in Black. The uh, the other Randall Flagg also. Yeah. And, uh, spelled slightly differently. Spelled slightly differently. The Skarsgård brothers getting all Stephen Kingish. They are. Meanwhile, Stellan's like singing in the Mamma Mia sequel. <laughs> A different kind of horror. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, that's exciting. I I've I actually only recently watched the stand, the, the original stand, because I waited until I finished the book and then I watched it with Gary Sinise. Yes. And Molly Ringwald. Yes. Yeah, Molly Ringwald was a surprise. I did not know she was going to be in it. Did you very much have a reaction? I did. I was like, is that? It is. I don't, I don't uh, dislike that miniseries. No, I liked it. I also love that like seven minute opening credits with the, uh, oh, Fear the Reaper. Yeah. I completely forgot they used that song and everything. Yes, that was very exciting. Which, how could I? Because that song is the anthem to our lives. Yes. Love me. Love me. Some of that song. Um. But no, that'll be exciting. But this is like, I don't know what it is, but in the past three years, it's been like an explosion of Stephen King adaptations. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. They're coming out of the woodwork, it feels like. Yeah. Already um, had two this year with a third on the way in November. We've got Castle Rock. On yeah, Hulu. Castle Rock will be back for season two, which, excellent show. Yes. In my opinion. Um... um Oh yeah, so we both saw it. Yes. Chapter two. Yes. Um, 
there's a review up on our website to kick off this year's 31 by 31 challenge, but maybe we could talk about it just a little bit right here, right now. Yeah. So. No, it was, so it was fun. It was not as fun as the first one. Um, I did not read the book, so I had to defer to Mr. Craggers on, on some things that I took issue with or had questions about. Um, Definitely in this installment, they kind of like gave in to taking, I think, the easy way on the difficulty of adapting the second half of the book and the book as a whole. Uh. Um, but you can talk, speak more to how they kind of went off on their own path. Yeah, they definitely. This half wasn't as faithful. Um as the child portion of things. Um, the big diversion was the new path they chose for the ritual chewed, which in the book is sort of this very loose, ill-defined, um, very mysterious ritual, which eventually just really boils down to, you just have to believe that you can stop it and you can and they just imbue a weapon of their choice with their belief and that will work and you know the magic of friendship yes in <laughs> um, the new film however it's this sort of like very quasi scooby-doo-ish sort of like running around town and confronting your demons it's and like vignettes up, almost yeah and picking up trinkets that apparently mean so much to you but not enough to have included them in part one so the audience knows what <laughs> we're looking for um yeah I, and then spoiler alert if you haven't seen chapter two yet it doesn't matter because it doesn't work yeah so what the hell was the point of that yeah yeah, yeah. And, like, one or two of the trinkets didn't even, like, some of them were stuff that we had seen and we're just like, okay, yeah, it would be that. Some of them were stuff that we had no, like, it, they were introduced in a flashback that we had never seen before. Yeah. So. Just, like, I don't know, like, yeah, like you said, Miss Mel, because it was this sort of, like, vignette-style storytelling for the whole middle chunk of the movie, like, we didn't get the losers hanging out mm -hmm. with each other and getting to see them, like reform the group yeah aside from the restaurant scene and the battle at the end and that, that was just like we're here for the relationships you know yeah. we're here for the friendship which was a, a point people were kind of like dinging in reviews is that they didn't feel that there was like real chemistry between the adult losers because we didn't get enough time of them together like um eddie and um richie were the only two that really had like a bond or like had significant scenes together by the end mm -hmm. and everyone else was kind of off doing their own thing. Agreed. That being said, I don't fault the actors because yeah. I think they all did a great job. Yes. James McAvoy. So, so his American movies that he has done are movies where he has had to do an American accent have been filmed in Philadelphia. So huh. he famously only uses a Philadelphia accent when he does American accents. Like he did it on SNL and stuff. And his first lines in this were like hefty. 
And it was, I mean, it was nice. It was funny, but it was like, this dude's supposed to be from Maine, but it was like a Philadelphia accent. That's funny. Um, but I thought that was a, a fun little tidbit. That is a fun tidbit. He did a, a good job. Yes, James McAvoy did a very good job. Jessica Chastain was having more fun than anyone's ever had. Jessica, you could tell she was having a blast with this movie. Um, she was having a good time. And I think Bill Hader stole the show. Yeah. And Richie. Just like, Which, spot. yeah. Which I do, I believe Finn Wolfhard like requested Bill Hader and the girl who plays Bev requested Jessica Chastain. Like, they had some pool yeah, in in their older selves. Right, because, yeah, when the kids were asked in that interview, who would you want, like, two of them, the people that they said were cast. Yeah. yeah those were the two. Yeah. yeah. pretty great. Yeah. No, it was fun. It was enjoyable. It wasn't, um, if you're in it for, like, the pure scare factor, too, like, the scares weren't nearly as is well done um yeah they had a nice running stephen king joke throughout yeah what did you, i was so tempted to text you after i saw it but i knew you'd know what i was talking about i was almost like you're not gonna believe who shows up <laughs> <laughs> make a cameo yes um, like i was just but then that'll ruin it so um yeah, no, as soon as I saw all that, because <laughs> I went to go see it with my sister, because um, I had forced her last year to see it, because she had watched the first, like, ten minutes of the first one, and got too freaked out and, like, turned it off, and I was like, no, like, it'll be fine, it's fun, it's like, you know, you like Stranger Things, you'll like this, um, and eventually I got her to sit down and watch it, and then she was obsessed with it, so we went to go see it, and, uh, yeah, when he came on the screen, I was like, that's Stephen King, and she was like, oh. She's like, he's older than I thought. And I was like, yeah, he, he's gotten old since the last time I looked at him. Yeah, he's 70 now. I yeah. But yeah. And I do know he also gave a list of things that he would kind of like to see in the sequel mm. to the director. Only one of them made it into the movie, though, and that was the Paul Bunyan statue scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is from the book, but... You know, has obviously never been included in yeah. in the past. Um, which, you know, it's... I think it's creepier to read about than to watch, but it was still a fun scene. Well, it kind of reminds me, I guess, of the hedge animals in The Shining, which is creepy to read about, and then the hedge maze is obviously creepier to see Vision. visually. So yeah. I could definitely see that being very creepy um, to read. Yeah. Very much so. Speaking of reading and Stephen King and reading Stephen King, mm -hmm. you're currently doing that, are you not? I am. I am almost done with Carrie. I'm about 60 Ooh. pages or so away from the end of Carrie. Um, quick read, which yeah. is shocking. I <laughs> know, um, <laughs> right? You no, know, it's interesting because it's like, you know, it's you know, it's his first book and, you know, I, I read about him writing it and on writing and stuff and I've seen the original Carrie and then like a couple of the newer adaptations and stuff. Um, but it's fascinating how much his writing has changed since like 1977 um, or whenever it was. 
like it's almost like the use of like the the interviews in this and like the newspaper articles and the book articles is very cool um it's you know fascinating to see him write about a teenage girl and not about a middle-aged writer (laughs) ex-teacher and he actually does a very good job i feel writing a teenage girl writing several teenage girls um but no i enjoy it i uh I picked it up while I was in Maine, while I was up there for vacation. The most appropriate. Yeah. Um, but no, I like it a lot. I read it today in the OBGYN because I felt that was an energy I should embrace. Channel and bring yeah. out. Just bring all that into the waiting room. Um, Did you get any like weird looks or anything? No, but it's funny because every time they opened the door to call somebody in, like I would tilt the book down <laughs> so they couldn't see like the cover just because I was like, what if they do like think I'm weird? Um, like, um, why are you here? What are you doing? <laughs> but um, no, as far as I know, I didn't get any weird looks. I was trying to read it at lunch. I got lunch in Panera because um, I took a half day at work. And the woman next to me like in the booth across the little walkway from me first of all would not stop talking to me but I go to read this book I pull it out and I guess she just saw it said Stephen King she was like oh is that his new one and I was like see he does have a book that came out on Tuesday and I was like uh no it's the opposite of that it's literally the most opposite you could get from the new one <laughs> yeah um and then she went on several different tangents of talking and I regretted my seat choice but yeah, it's going well. Like you're giving a clear indicate. Like you have, you're picking up a book. Yes. Like there's, the, that's the signal to like, I don't want to talk. Don't to talk to me. Um. So yeah, doing that, and I think that's <clears throat> when I started in my brain, I felt that that would kick off my my fall reading was Carrie. Yeah. So after that, I've got a, a couple in the works. I've got your book that you're lending me, Season with the Witch. Um, that I'm finally going to read because it is the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've got a couple and I got, I, I actually went out, um, on my birthday to a bookstore. I bought, um, Her Body and Other Parties, which is a collection of kind of surrealist horror personal short stories by Carmen Maria Machado, who wrote, um, oh, is it called The Haunting or Haunted? She wrote a couple different really cool sort of, um, queer socially conscious horror short stories um and then she put this out which was a national book award finalist i just want to be her essentially um (laughs) she lives in philadelphia but she writes just this really great literary horror stuff um so i bought that and i bought turn of the screw because i finally want to read that oh yeah i also a while back bought a copy of uncle silas so i'm gonna read that so I've got some stuff. Yeah. Tis the time for spook reading. Tis the time for spook reading. I just got, my hold came in today for uh, The Whisper Man. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, a new debut sort of horror mystery thriller about um, mis- missing children and you do love your creepy sort of missing children creepy childhood stuff i feel yeah it's a good like i just finished like a sort of like very traditional mystery and i'm like this will be a good like transition into yeah 
and some more straight up spook reading. Straight up spook reading. So it's all rather good. And Miss Mel is currently sorry stripping. It's hot because it's hot. Don't worry, I had a shirt on underneath. Maybe that's why it was so hot. I was wearing my Friday the 13th hockey jersey, but it's 91 degrees outside. Yeah. So it's coming off. But the point is, you were wearing it to begin with. Yes, and I am going to wear it on on your today, listeners, on Friday. Good. Very good. Yes. So that's a good segue, I think, into a little discussion. Right. Oh, you know what I watched the other day? What did you watch the other day? Um, so I was sick. I came home from Maine with the illness. Um, and I left work early the one day because I was like, I can't do this. So I went home and I watched Zach Bagan's dumbass series about his little haunted museum in Las uh, Vegas uh, where he collects, quote unquote, um, haunted and cursed objects. He's ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. He makes bullshit up. Um, and then I looked at this person who like... They, they need to chill out because basically their entire internet presence is being a skeptic and like interviewing and like researching that stuff, which is fine. I like history, but calm down. But just the nonsense in Zach Bagan's museum and like the stuff he makes up, like somebody brought in, like they're like, this is Bella Lugosi's mirror. And I'm like, his mirror? And Zach Bagan's was like, oh yes, I heard he was really into scrying and this is the mirror he would scry with. And I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I've never heard that once about Bella Lugosi. Yes. And I'm it's, not saying it's not true. I'm just saying I've never heard that one. Yeah. So, like, well, this person looked it up and, like, contacted his family. And they're like, no, he was never into, like, the occult. He was just in horror movies. Um, so there's bullshit like I that. I thought you were going to say that he was going to say something about, like, oh, a mirror for a vampire, you know, and, like, do something stupid like that. I don't know. He, he also had the Dybbuk box. Which in and of itself, yeah, in and of itself is an internet hoax that goes back to like 2003 when this guy, who is a writer, which should be your first clue, put it up on eBay with this story behind it and all this stuff and then it just started circulating and stuff. And he's like outright said, he was like, oh yeah, like nothing about Dybbuk boxes and trapping Dybbuks existed until I came up with it on, you know, in this thing. But Zach Bagans is like, this is a movie so yeah, it was nonsense, and I watched all nine episodes because I was ill. <laughs> and now you're better off, but you're also worse off. Yes. Anyway, Friday the 13th, final chapter. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. So, listeners, if you're new to the show, as Miss Mel said, something we do every time Friday the 13th rolls around on the calendar is take a look at the... Next installment in the Friday the 13th franchise, we're working our way through chronologically. This is our fourth Friday the 13th special. As such, we are looking at Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which came out in 1984. Uh, it was directed by Joseph Zito and written by Barney Cohen, starring Corey Feldman. Oh, boy. Kimberly Beck. <clears throat> And we are going to dive into this fantastic little installment. But before we do so, we're going to take a listen to the trailer. So, so. <laughs> Friday the 13th, the final chapter, was originally supposed to be, go figure, 
the final chapter. Yes. Who would have thunk it? Mm. Mm. Um, this, this was sort of the idea of Frank Mancuso Jr., who was the main executive producer for the franchise up until this point. Um, he was ready to sort of shut the book on Jason. Um, he felt that he was sort of losing cachet in Hollywood um, because of his work on the franchise. Even though the franchise was making money and was very popular, um, the slasher film in general was sort of moving out of its heyday, right? This movie came out in 1984. Um so he wanted to put the kibosh on things. But the, you know, the classic Hollywood story, right? The movie did so well. That's really what the studio cared about. So the fifth movie was released the following year. Woo. But, you know, all that being said, final chapter is kind of an interesting I think entry in the franchise. Um, it's got a couple of, couple of things going for it. Um, a very interesting cast. Uh, like we mentioned, um, Corey Feldman and Kimberly Beck, but also, um, some other names people would, might recognize Peter Barton. Oh, what's uh, his Crispin Glover? Crispin Glover, uh, Barbara Howard, um, a couple other, uh, interesting faces judy aronson um tom savini came back on board to do uh makeup effects he did the um the first film but he was gone for parts two and three um so they brought him back for this and it's actually i think like you know the script is pretty good um the the effects are cool and the cast is fun so it's, yeah. i think it's a solid <clears throat> Yeah, no, it's fun. I mean, um, in terms of diminishing returns in this kind of thing, it's definitely um, more fun than than later sequels. Uh, not more fun than Jason X, but <laughs> debatable. Debatable. No, but it's nice. I mean, it's it's traditional. It's what you expect from a slasher kind of in. Um, you know, the motif regard, the characters are fun. Um, Tommy's a interesting little dude. Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah. And I think it's really after this one that things start going, like, off the rails. Off the rails. You know, sort of after this, they close out this first cycle, and then it's like, what is happening? Yes. <clears throat> after what? a new begin, well, it starts with a new beginning. Oh, a new beginning. Yeah, we'll be getting to that next. Um, yeah, but let's let's do what we like to do and uh, see if we can walk through final chapter a bit. All right, shall we? we uh, Miss Mel, how do things kick off in this latest installment? So we kind of have like a little prologue type <laughs> deal uh, where we go over the lore of Jason. The events of the last couple movies, um, you know, and just, you know, here's what you missed on Glee. Um, where they kind of do a recap around a campfire. <laughs> um, 
of all the murder and the mayhem and the intrigue and such. Um, but when we're in the actual events of this movie, um, we it's right after the last one. They're uh, cleaning up the bottes and various stuff, um, as is the common conceit of many a slasher film. We pick up Jason's supposedly dead body, um, and it is carted off to a local hospital. Um, I do love, like, the little shenanigans. Like, you see this a lot in Stephen King, and you see it a lot even in, like, 80s slashers, where it's, like, these characters who you know are gonna die, or, like, are just there to be, like, blood fodder, like, have full personalities, like, are really just well-acted and well-put-together for, like, through two minutes they're on the screen, yeah. um, and then they're, they're murdered and, and Are you whatnot. thinking of the nurse? The, the nurse, the, yeah, like, just the hospital staff is fun. Um, they are fun. <clears throat> and yeah, that's always a thing that you get in like Stephen King stuff where it's like he'll introduce you for three pages to this person who never shows up again, yeah. who's just there to watch Carrie destroy something um, and then we switch back. But I, I love that little stuff. I think it I think it adds things. but um, I agree. There's like a nurse and a doctor who do the the Gray's Anatomy ER thing where they go to the on-call room and shack up. Um, are they in the own call room? They're next to the body, aren't they? So they're, they're, I think, like, they, sh they're, like, they start in the on call room, and then, like, one of them is, like, oh, we have to go to work or whatever, and so then they're in the, they're actually They end the up in the morgue doing right. shenanigans. And she's, she's like, I want to watch the news or whatever. Yes, she does say that <laughs> for some reason. She wants to watch the news. Um, while they're in the morgue, um, Jason's body... Jason, not dead, because of course not, comes to life, attacks them, heads off into the night. And they're pretty brutal kills. They are. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like... He takes a, a, a bone saw to the one, the one yeah. guy's throat. It's mean. Jason is very mean in this. <laughs> He's being mean. Yeah. That one, the one nurse... She was at the complete other end of the hospital. She was all the way down that hallway, and he still went over there and killed her. He didn't have to. <laughs> he didn't have to. He did that for us. He did that for us. Yeah. So. Um, but yes, Jason escapes the hospital, leaves a, a, a bloodbath in his wake. Mm. And we cut to our, our cast of characters for, for this installment. Yeah. So... We've got our um, assembled group of rowdy teens who are heading uh, into the woods surrounding Crystal Lake for a weekend getaway. Um, it's just the next day. So word hasn't really spread about the events that have happened in uh, part three with the other group of rowdy teens. <laughs> going away it's a different weekend. group of ratty teams yeah and of course the bikers from part three oh my god remember the bikers the bikers though they're like yeah. half the reason i love part three i mean and stupid ass shelly with his fro <laughs> <laughs> but anyway in the part four rowdy teens we have uh sarah played by barbara howard who is the nubile um I think she she's right? Yeah, the ingenue. She's the one who's like, yeah. what are the sleeping arrangements? 
Right. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, her boyfriend, um, what's her boyfriend's name? Not, is it Paul? Or no, Paul's with... Paul is with Sam, I think. Doug? Hold on, you guys. It might be think... Doug. Doug is Doug her boyfriend? Yeah. I Sarah's think Doug is her boyfriend. Sarah's boyfriend is Doug, uh, played by Peter Barton. Um, and he's just kind of like, you know, the nice guy-ish, like, popular whatever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, then there's Sarah's friend Sam and her boyfriend Paul, who is the sort of ringleader of the group. Um, there's their other friend Jimmy, who... Jimmo. Uh, Jimmo. Wilbur. Uh, just broken up with um, his girlfriend, who we don't meet, but we hear about her, uh, Blowjob Betty. Uh. <laughs> Blowjob Betty. Yeah, I, th- I think the implication is she was supposed to come on this. Who knows? Because he's all sulky. And then there's the fifth wheel in the group, and that's Ted. Um, who Teddy is Bear. Sort of like the, uh, you know... Not Urkel-ish, but, like, he's dorky, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's the, the dorky guy who's not really paired up with anyone. Yeah. For the jokes. He's kind of like the Randy. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like the Randy. Like, this is the kind of character that Randy is meant to emulate. And so, and so they're, yeah, and so they're on their way to to their cabin by the lake. And... On their way, they, uh... This poor girl. <laughs> no, they see a hitchhiker, a nameless hitchhiker, <laughs> just chilling by the side of the road, and they totally just basically tell her to fuck off and leave her where she is. <laughs> and then this poor bitch gets skewered by Jason immediately afterward. <laughs> She's got a sign, and then when they say, like, fuck you or whatever, they say, oh, do yeah. you have a hotter sister? She turns her sign around. So, like, she has preparations for, you know. Right. Because, like, the front says, like, peace, love, and a ride or something or whatever. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, do you have a hotter sister? And then she turns it around and it says, fuck off, I think. Yeah. Um, regardless, yeah, she does get skewered. <laughs> so funny like what is the point um, like he didn't have to do that he didn't have to do that yeah it's like Ms. Mel said she this character that's on the screen for less than two minutes is just total body fodder um but it's fun it's a hilarious kill yeah <laughs> because you're just like this bitch <laughs> she doesn't even have a line she just holds up the sign she doesn't say anything she doesn't have a name she <laughs> I don't even know if she's credited Oh, no. She's credited as Hitchhiker. She's credited as Hitchhiker. <laughs> Played by Bonnie Hellman. Bonnie Hellman. We're giving Bonnie Hellman her due. Aw. Yeah. So. So. Um, so our rowdy teens get to the lake, and they get into their cabin. And in a somewhat break from tradition for Friday the 13th, their cabin isn't alone mm-hmm. on the lake. Um, they actually have a next door neighbor just, just right there. Um, and this is the home of the Jarvis family, uh, who we also get the impression that they've recently moved out here. Maybe. It's, a, di- it's a divorce situation. Like you get the idea that the mom is recently divorced and 
this is where she moved the kids to for some reason. Right. And no one's entirely clear why. Yeah, so we've got Mrs. Jarvis at the head of the family, um, played by Joan Freeman. Her older daughter, Trish, um, who will become our final girl, played by Kimberly Beck. And then her younger son, Tommy, played by Corey Feldman. Um, and then the dog, Gordon. Which, you know, you get worried for Gordon because naturally. Because you, you know, we all know the rule, the dad rule, D-A-D, dog always dies. So, yeah, it's never a good sign when the dog shows up. Um, and this sort of rounds out our cast. And as we've said, you know, uh, pretty, pretty good cast. Corey Feldman obviously doesn't really need an explanation. Um, I do, you know, every time I watch this movie, I'm just like, oh, there is absolutely no hint of the crazy douchebag you will become <laughs> in this movie. Um, Crispin Glover, who is just so, so Crispin in this movie. Judy Aronson from Weird Science and Peter Barton um, who was in a TV show in the 70s called The Powers of Matthew Starr with Amy Steele who plays Ginny, the final girl from Friday the 13th Part 2. Fascinating. Fascinating. Six degrees of Friday the 13th separation. Six degrees of Friday the 13th heels, yeah. Okay, so what happens after sort of our characters arrive and get settled in this mill? What's going on? Or what's going on with the Jarvises, maybe? So like, the Jarvises, Tommy's a little weirdo. Um, Tommy's thing is that he's, like, really into horror makeup and horror effects. He makes these masks and this makeup and these sort of props. Um, and that's kind of his thing. Like, we meet him wearing one. He just has it on his head while he's, like, working on another one or playing a video game or something. Um, so he's fun. <laughs> um, and you know, they have their dog Gordon, we've got Trish, um, and they're just kind of hanging out. We're introduced to them. Tommy's weird. Um, they, t they are told by Mrs. Jarvis, who has a first name. No, she doesn't. I think she's just Mrs. Jarvis. I was going to say, do they ever say it? Because they call her mom. They also call her Mrs. Jarvis. <laughs> Mrs. Jarvis, I'm home. <laughs> um, but she informs them that somebody's rented the house across from them. It's a group of teenagers. Um, as far as I can tell, I don't know how aware the Jarvises are either of the situation. Of like that, that murders have happened? Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. But they are aware, I mean, like, they know who Jason Voorhees is. Yeah. Um, but the extent of what has happened isn't really super, it's not clear if they know, but um, they discuss the teenagers um, and then run into them as they are kind of moving into their weekend house and stuff. Obviously, they're interested in Trish because she is also a teenager, and as we know, Jimmy's recently been dumped, and Ted is just Ted. Um, so the group of uh, rowdy teenagers goes out for like a, a walk about the grounds. I have some questions about this. So the first of all, there's too many people in this movie with T in their name. 
There are so many T characters. It's Why? Very, there's Tommy, there's Trish. We're mm-hmm. about to meet Tina and Terry. Tina and Terry are about to show up. Yeah. Good lord. It's very confusing. So we meet Tina and Terry, two adult twins who still dress the same. Um, who are out bike riding. One of them also might have like an accent and the other does not. Yeah, I have noticed that in the past and told myself like, okay, look into that. And I never have. No. So Tina and Terry, adults, mm-hmm. dress the same. One is maybe Australian. Maybe. But they're twins. But they're twins. They're twins. They're out biking. They maybe run it's in... a parent trap situation. Maybe. Yeah, maybe there's so much we don't know about Tina and Terry. We'll never find out. Um, but they run into our group of our group of teenagers who um, convince them to go with them to the lake where they're going to go for a swim. Um, Ted and Jimmy are interested in the two twins because they're the two kind of odd men out who aren't really there with anyone. Um, and there's, you know, just some shenanigans. They end up getting naked at one point to go swimming because they don't have bathing suits. There's um, so much nudity in this film. There is a lot of nudity. Um, so they're just doing teenage things like uh, Tommy and Trish run into them. Tommy's a little... I mean, I get it. He's like twelve year a 12-year-old boy or whatever, but he's like a little horn dog in this movie as well. Yeah, he is. Um, but, you know, Trish shoes Tommy away. Um, but they invite Trish to a party. They're like, oh, come party with us. Um, which I guess, you know, she never says yes to, but she's kind of maybe later. Uh, you know what I, what I kind of like about Trish? Because I don't feel like she would be written this way now. Like, so, like, her mom has, like, removed them to this cabin in the woods, right? And mm-hmm. she's not, like, angsty about it. No. She's not sulking. Like, she's just... And she, like, takes care of her brother and... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely, like, kind of happy and interested that there are other people her age that have shown up. But she's not, like... Like, she doesn't immediately abandon her family to go hang out with them. Yeah. Like, she's... I feel like if this movie were made today, like there would be this weird subplot where like she hates her mom and you there's know. some boyfriend she left in yeah. whatever town they came from. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, she she holds her she holds her own in her own stuff. Um, but yeah, so she's a little bit interested in the idea of like, oh yeah, maybe I'll go hang out there, literally right across the driveway. So maybe she and Tommy head out, uh, but they do have some trouble on their way home. They do. It's not so easy getting home from... Uh, I think it was Crystal Point is what they... From the lake. Yeah, whatever they call the little sort of... Crystal Cove? Area that's been designated to go swimming in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because their car breaks down. Yes. Um, and... Which, you know, there's all sorts of, like, fun tension around the car having broken down in the middle of the woods. Because we, obviously, as the audience, we know that Jason is out there skewering nameless hitchhikers. Yes. (laughs) For some Um, reason. For some reason. And so Tommy sort of fiddles around with the car uh, or under the hood a little bit because even though he's 12, he's a boy and that equates to knowing how to fix yeah he like weirdly knows like he's like oh i tried everything it could be this it could be that we're gonna have to do this and it's like you're 12 wow i'm like i don't even know that now (laughs) i have triple a 
Yeah. But. Have A A A. A A A. A A. Cash A A. Cash A A. I know my name carries a little weight. I love that whole bit. That was on the other day for some reason. The Christmas one? Yeah. Just on TBS. <laughs> Ridiculous. So. Uh, so they're fixing the car, or they're trying to fix the car, but they really can't, um, because Trish, even though she's older, has no idea how to fix cars, because she's a girl. Even though they live in the woods, and she's the the oldest child, she does not know how to fix the car. She does not know how to fix the car, and then we get this really tense moment where we, we think that Jason has showed up, and Trish and Tommy are doomed, but it's not Jason, it's a new character named Rob. 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 The Rob. Uh, captain from Jaws of this movie. So true. He is the Quint of Quint, Friday the 13th yeah. final chapter. Yes. <laughs> In many ways, because he knows how to fix the car. Yes. Right off the bat. Um, which he does for them. And there's a little bit of a spark, not only in the engine, but between Rob and Trish. And, uh, nice. They say, hey, do you want to ride back to our house? Because you're just hiking alone in the woods, so that's probably chill and safe. And he's like, I sure do. And he's kind of asking them some odd questions about, like, oh, who's in your house? Like, are you alone there? Is there anyone else up at the lake right now? Which should be a red flag. Yeah, no, he's asking. He's like, are there children? Like... He's asking. It's like, yes, this sounds safe and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So upon being asked these odd questions, Trish says, sure, hop in. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, there's some kids. It was the 80s. Yeah. Uh, um, this is true. So they go back to the Jarvis resident and um, Rob briefly meets Mrs. Jarvis before um, Tommy takes Rob up to his room to show him you know, all of the cool things that he has up there. And Mrs. Jarvis just casually lets a strange man go in her 12 year old son's bedroom. Alone with him. <laughs> I don't understand why Tommy's so obsessed with him. Like he's like, hello, new dad. Right. Yeah. New dad, a big brother type figure, just another dude. Like, uh, let me show you my cool stuff. Like I get it, but like, but I also don't. Jarvis just let it happen. Is Odd. Yeah, she like is a, has a question for a second. The mom's like, "Oh, who's this?" And they're like, "It's Rob." And she's like, "Oh, it's okay, Rob. it's Rob." It's Rob, Mrs. Jarvis, it's the guy who lives in the woods. Yeah. And she goes, "Oh, great." Um. So Tommy shows him his video games and his posters and the different monster masks that he's uh, created, and you know, his his creations, his work that he's proud of. He's showing off. Um, and Rob plays along and stuff, and then he leaves, he bids the Jarvises adieu ostensibly to, cause he's going camping. Um, but there's more to Rob than meets the eye, which, mm-hmm. um, we come to find out in a little bit. Uh, but before that happens, um, night falls on Crystal Lake and the teens across the driveway, uh, start to... To party. To and party. Stuff. And um, how does that go, Miss Mel? So, first of all, um, Tommy's going to bed. And he has a 
fascinating reaction to, he looks across the way and he sees through the open window uh, that two of the teens are like getting naked, kind of getting it on. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I've just never been in that situation as a 12 year old boy. <laughs> he just, he gets excited about it and stuff. Um, but eventually his mom comes in, he pretends to be asleep. She shuts, she doesn't chastise or ask the teens to maybe close their windows or to stop or to be more quiet. She's just like, looks at them and she's like, ugh, and like shuts Tommy's blind and then leaves. I feel like that's very like forward thinking of Mrs. Jarvis. Yeah. Like she's just like, Everybody in this situation is sort of just being, like, their age, you yeah. know? And, like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna shut the blinds here, because that's what's appropriate, and then that's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're, they're having a little, it starts out slow, it starts out, they're just kind of hanging out, uh, Paul and Samantha? Yeah, that's his girl. <laughs> Paul and Samantha are, like, making out on the, the steps. Teddy and one of the twins are, like, hanging on the couch. Um, oh, right, yes. We should mention that the twins come back. The, yeah, the twins are also at the party. Um, Jimmy goes and plays this, like, weird music, and he asks the other twin to dance, and he dances ridiculously, but she's, like, into it, and they're dancing for a little bit, and then um, Paul goes over and turns it off and turns on, like, a waltz or, like, some jazzy slow music and dances with <laughs> Samantha. It's very, it's a downer. Um, but they're starting to drink. They're starting to smoke. Um, there's some shenanigans of Paul being flirted with by one of the twins. Uh, Teddy and Jimmy are both trying to, you know, wrangle in the other twin. Uh, Doug... I believe is the one who tries to help. He, I don't know. He, or maybe no, maybe he talks to Sam a little bit because Paul ends up kind of dancing with one of the twins and he's trying to consult her. Um, you know, so there's all sorts of romantic entanglements happening, but I'm just going to say one of the twins because it could be either. It doesn't really matter. One of the twins goes out into the lake or no, I'm sorry, Samantha goes out into the lake. Yeah, because she's pissed at Paul. Yeah, because she's pissed at Paul, so she goes out and decides to have a sulky sort of swim in the lake or something. Which, like, what? <laughs> why does, um, this happens in several Friday the 13th movies. And yeah. like, why are you swimming in the lake in the middle of the goddamn yeah. night? Like, taking a walk is one thing, but whatever. She swims out into the lake. Um, another instance of the much nudity of, of this one. Um, and she swims out to a raft in, like, the middle of the lake, climbs up on top of it, goes to, you know, think about her life and her choices. Thinking about some. Jason, as he is wont to do, leaps from the, the crystalline surfaces of the water. <laughs> <laughs> Stabs her through the raft. He gets her... It's funny because... He comes up to her eye level, but the stabbage actually happens under the water and up. <laughs> it's very complex anatomy, this kill. Um, Which, and like, and also, like, what happened to the whole... I mean, I guess this sort of, like, really just becomes a later addition to the mythology, but, like, Jason not liking the water. 
Yeah. Like, that's where he drowned, but then here he is just must swimming in off. In the water, yeah. stabbing people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he gets her. Um, Paul eventually comes out after her, trying to make amends. He also decides that he is going to strip down and swim in the lake. Um, <laughs> and he is dispatched of as well. Yeah, and Paul, this, this is another brutal kill, because Paul gets shot in the groin. Yes, he gets shot in the groin and kind of, like, lifted into the air, and yeah. then, like, shot again or something. Yeah, and then, like, tumbles back down the stairs and shit. Yeah. Like, that's harsh. So Paul gets mangled. Um, while that's going on, Rob <laughs> is elsewhere on the premises. Uh, what's, yeah. what's Rob up to? So Rob's creeping around. Sort of while the killing of the teenagers uh, starts to begin, right? Miss yeah. Mel says Sam is dispatched, Paul is dispatched, um, and then also one of the twins who is mad at her sister and she's like, I'm leaving. <laughs> That's the Australian one. Yeah, yeah, and she she's like, is just gonna leave her sister. I don't know where she thinks she's going. But, <laughs> she had a she had a rain jacket on that she definitely didn't have before. Yeah, but Jason spears her before she can get anywhere. Yeah. Um, at this point, there's a uh, a power outage um, at at the lake and and whatnot. Um, and Mrs. Jarvis comes home and she notices the power outage. So she starts looking for her kids with Gordon and then Rob is creeping around or outside and shit because, um, uh, he's on a, a secret mission actually. <laughs> um, and Trish and Tommy are out looking for him or sorry. They're out looking for their mom, right? Their mom. Right. Okay. So sorry. A little bit muddled here. My bad. So Mrs. Jarvis, the power outage, she takes Gordon to find her kids and fix the power outage. They're both attacked by Jason. It's presumed that Mrs. Jarvis is killed. Yeah, that's an off a uh, strange, rare off screen. Yeah, kill. super rare. We don't ever see her body, but I mean Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Gordon, uh either jumps or th is thrown from a window. It's not clear. Um, I don't know. Despite the DAD rule, I think this could be a situation where Gordon just noped out. Yeah, it looked like he kind of just jumped out the window and took off into the night. Yeah. So, uh, Tommy, Trish and Tommy uh, wake up or whatever, the power outage. They're like, Oh, where the hell is mom? Um, so they go to look for her and in looking for their mom, they end up finding Rob. Yes. Um, or Rob's campsite. Um, and he like comes upon them. There's like, you scared me. You scared me. What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And then we get the true, um, story behind Rob's presence at Crystal Lake and his secret mission. Rob is actually the brother of Sandra from Friday the 13th part two. And he has come to Crystal Lake to get revenge. Um, 
and avenge his sister's death. He's aware of everything that's been going on with Jason and the subsequent killing from part three and that Jason is did not die the previous day, but is still alive. Yes. Um, to which Trish and Tommy are like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Now, back at the house, um, uh, Jimmy hooks up with um, the twin who is not dead. The American twin. Yeah, the American twin, and stayed behind at the house. And they have a lovely time together, I'm sure. And uh, Jimmy, sort of in that classic, you know, um, Paul from Halloween move, goes downstairs to get some refreshments and some alcohol. And while he's down there, Jason uh, kills him with a meat cleaver. He skewers um, his hand with a corkscrew first. Oh, yeah, the corkscrew. Right? Yeah. He's totally skewers his hand with a corkscrew. That's a cool effect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then his face up pretty bad with that yeah. with that meat cleaver. Yeah. Um, American Twin is upstairs. She's waiting around for Jimmy. She gets up. She's walking around the room. When she looks outside, she realizes that um, her sister hasn't left because she sees that both of their bikes are still there. She's like, well, that's weird. Maybe I should go down and check that out. But before she can walk away from the window, Jason reaches <laughs> <laughs> He got from the kitchen. <laughs> He got from the kitchen to the exterior second level of the yes. house somehow, smashes through the window, grabs American Twin, and throws her from the house to the ground, yes. killing her. Yes. <laughs> For some reason. If I was, you know what? This is a very agile guy, Jason. Yes. Um, <laughs> Big seven-foot... 300-pound gymnast it. that man is. Well, it's like that like that thing, right, where... Um, do you remember when the remake came out and everybody was really pissed that Jason was running in that movie? Yeah. Like, Jason doesn't run. Jason like, walks. He gets watch, where he wants to go. If you watch these early ones, like these first four, he does, like, he is pretty fast-footed. Yeah. It's not until after this movie, like, after he dies and comes back yeah. and all that stuff, that he, like, is... A slow walker. Yeah. Um, so he weirdly is kind of agile. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, yeah, so so the teen crew is, is being whittled down to the last couple. Ted um, is super high <laughs> at this point and has found some dirty movies in the cabin. I guess presumably the people who actually own this place. Um, and he sets up the projector and he's watching them and he's laughing to himself. His laugh is so obnoxious. And it goes on and on and on. And like the entire on. middle part of this movie is him laughing at these like 1930s porn yeah, films. Like titty films. Um, and then the projector starts being weird. So he gets up to see what's going on. And even though, Instead of going to the projector, he goes to the screen, and then Jason stabs him in the head through the screen. Um, and then Ted dies. And so that brings us down to just uh, Doug and Sarah. Um, so what's been going on with them? So 
Earlier in the night, uh, Sam, not Sarah. Samantha. No, Sarah. Samantha? Samantha was... Sarah. Was, um... Paul's... Oh, she Sarah, dies, Sarah, yes. Okay, so, yes. Yes. Too many names with the same letter. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> Sarah. So, Paul and Sarah... Or Doug and Sarah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Doug and Sarah, um, earlier in the night, were, like, talking... Because they're staying in the same room, but they're staying in a bunk bed because Sarah <laughs> is sort of our little, like, ingenue-type character. Um, but they decided, she was like, oh, you want to sleep in the bottom bunk or something? And he was like, oh, well, you want to sleep on the top bunk? And whatever. They have a moment. They yeah. go upstairs and they go to, like, have a shower together. They're doing that. They're having sexy times. Uh, they get done, she goes to go get changed, they have a little moment where she says she loves him, and he says, what? Um, <laughs> it's so funny! <laughs> um, but she goes to put clothes on, he's, like, finishing up actually, like, doing a shower, I guess, like, cleaning himself, and he's, like, singing. Jason's having none of his singing. Um, for the, like, third time this movie, Jason busts through the glass... Uh, into the shower and shoves his hand in Doug's face and I guess just breaks his face. Like, it's not... He just, like, crushes his head, yeah. Yeah, he, like, just basically crushes his, 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 the front of his face in, um, and when Sarah comes back, she sees, she finds Doug, like, dead on the, like, propped up and kind of dead and hanging out of the, the jagged, um... Shower Glass, yeah, whatever. She freaks out. Um, she tries to run, um, Jason has, having none of that, having now gone downstairs, I believe he's at the front door, is where she tries to run out of, which is locked. (laughs) You would presume it's locked from the inside, but she has trouble opening it, and he axes her in the chest, (laughs) um, with, with an axe, uh, and down Sarah goes See, well. like, like, like he's just mean. Like instead of waiting upstairs for her, he like goes downstairs and locks the door and like comes up with this whole oh, I'm gonna axe her down there. Like Yeah. Crafty nasty Yeah. Hockey mask. So, yeah, he, he kills all these people with different weapons in different parts of the house in presumably what is like five minutes. Yeah. Um because this entire time Ted is still watching these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're dispatched. Um, eventually, Ted is also dispatched when um, Jason kind of cuts the projector. Um, Ted goes to check it out and gets stabbed with a kitchen knife like through the screen. Right. The teenagers are now pretty much all dead at this point. Um, back at the farm... Ranch. Trish and Rob and Tommy are up to some stuff. They sure are. Yeah. They're Trish and Tommy have been like roped into Rob's plan at this point. They're just like pretty much on board with believing the stranger from the woods about his mission to kill the, the as far as they know, dead serial killer. Yeah. Um which whatever. But they do go to check on their neighbors for the weekend and sort of get, you know, what we think of as um, 
the tour of the bodies. They see that everyone over there has been killed. Yes. Um, and then Jason appears in order to dispatch the three remaining characters. Um, Tommy flees back to the house um, while Jason pursues Rob and Trish through the teen's house. I realize that sounded confusing. Um, there's a scuffle and a confrontation in the basement um, that results in um, Trish being able to get away, but Rob keeping Jason distracted, and he uh, gets killed. Um, so Trish goes back to her house uh, with her brother. They sort of try and start to barricade the place. They try and put up defenses. But Jason is on a goddamn rampage, and that ain't gonna <laughs> do shit. Um, so he throws Rob's body through the window, and he's like, hey, bitches, it's me. Yes. And they're like, oh, shit. So they go upstairs um, and try to uh, find safety in Tommy's room. You know, they push the bookcase in front of the door. Um, but... Trish realizes that if she's going to save her brother, she needs to give him an avenue for escape. She needs to get him time to get away. So she tries to um, distract Jason. She manages to get him out of the house. Um, they have more of a chase here and there, blah, blah, blah. She's able to get away from him. Um they kind of go up and through the other house again. She falls out a window, I think. Yeah. Um, which even and then though, runs yeah, back inside the house. And then she runs back inside the house for some reason. Um, yeah, she falls out a window, which killed the American twin, but not Trish. <laughs> but not, but not Trish. Not uh, Trish Jarvis. Not today. Not Trish Jarvis. Yeah. There's a moment where she thinks she may have incapacitated Jason, um, if not outright killed him it's kind of unclear what she thinks so she goes back to her house and Tommy's still there he didn't run away like she told him to um and then Jason shows up of course again because he's not dead um nor was he incapacitated for that long so the scuffle begins once more um Trish gets hold of a machete I don't know if Jason or Rob. I think it was Rob's machete. Yeah. he has it earlier in the film. I guess Jason doesn't use the machete in this movie. No. He he has many different weapons. Jason famously puts together his ultimate persona piece by piece. (laughs) By piece. One movie at a time. Yes. Yeah, he only just got the mask last movie. Yeah. Yeah, I believe the machete is Rob's. That's his contribution to this whole thing. Okay. So she gets a hold of Rob's machete. She kind of has the upper hand in the scuffle. She's taken her shot at Jason, and as she's taken her shot, she hits the hockey mask off and sees the horror underneath, right? This mm-hmm. is this Phantom of the Opera moment between Jason and Trish. Um, and this, I, I actually really, really love this moment and, and Kimberly Beck in this moment because you completely see the fight go out of Trish. When yeah. she sees Jason's face. And it's... Yeah. I don't know. It's good acting. I think she almost goes to run, too. Yeah. Because she's just like... <laughs> like, 
fuck Tommy and everyone else. Fuck all of this, because she's so petrified by what she sees. And it's pretty gross. The effects are really good. Yeah. Um, da, da, da. But she, she still, she doesn't flee. She doesn't give in to flight and panic. Um, she strikes back. She hits Jason in the head now without his mask. Um, he... He goes down, um, his head gets split open, and victory is essentially achieved, more mm-hmm. or less. Um, Tommy comes down. Oh, of course, Tommy was very integral to um, drafting Jason so Tris could take her shot. Yes. Because what does Tommy do? So, he's weird. Um, <laughs> he basically, he runs upstairs when he's supposed to be fleeing. He instead ran upstairs and shaved all his hair off. Or at least to the best of his ability, shaved a bunch of his hair off. Because I guess he's trying to emulate Jason to Jason. Yeah. Which is strangely abstract and very deep and weird. Um, But he runs back downstairs and Trish is like, you were supposed to be running away. And he he pulls Jason in with with this vision of young past Jason. Um, and in doing so, he, he gives Trish uh, a moment of distracted Jason where she whacks him, incapacitates him. Um, but then he starts to twitch and move again, at which point um, Tommy goes apeshit mm. uh, and just takes the machete or the hammer or whatever it is and just hacks and hacks at Jason and is just screaming, die, die, die. And Trish is just like, Tommy, Tommy. Like, do we just get this this zoom in on her face where she's like crying about the whole thing and screaming uh, and then we fade to our, our final scene so uh, reminiscent of the first Friday the 13th film we finish off the story in the hospital mm-hmm. with Trish talking to um, the police about what's what, happened what had happened bodies, what had happened uh, Jason being dead. Um, she wants to see Tommy. Da, da, da. Tommy. Tommy shows up. He comes in. The two siblings embrace. And then there's a very strange moment where Tommy looks directly at the camera with sort of not quite dead-eyed. Like, there's a vague spark there. Yeah. but like He has done a murder, and he wants more. Yeah, <laughs> it's very dead-faced. And we freeze-frame, and that's the end of the film. Yes. It's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting ending. Um, and, you know, they were very clearly setting up for more Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll know this, especially for those of you out there that have seen part five um, and what they tried to do with that movie. Um, But yeah, so that's final chapter, which uh, is a pretty solid entry into the franchise and is, it is the movie where Jason actually dies. Yes. So if nothing else, there is that. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, there's interesting stuff with various characters. Like you said, Trish is a very unique teenage girl character. Even the mom and the choices she makes and the things she does is very interesting and sort of forward-thinking. Tommy is 
maybe a product of like the 70s satanic panic you know demon child stuff mm. um but he's kind of even interesting in and up himself um it's there's little nuances to it that definitely make it a very interesting sequel yeah definitely um it's not it's not a a usual sequel i think yeah. um and and kind of like I was saying before like this is the last outing for Jason I think before he becomes that superhuman indestructible force right yeah you know um, with the walking slow and you can't kill him and then we start expanding into crazy mythology you know by the time we get to Jason takes Manhattan uh, Jason goes to hell. Jason in space. Jason in space, you know. It, this this is a semi-satisfying close to the story. Obviously, it wasn't, but if we think of it as maybe a close to, like, the first cycle or the first arc, yeah, um, I think it's a good ending. Um, yeah, it's kind of like um, Halloween... Halloween 2. Yeah. Where you kind of have that attempted closure at the first arc. At the very least, if you look at the thing as a whole, that's kind of the closure to the first iteration of yeah. that overall story. Like, you could take that this chunk and be like, okay, this is its own thing, and then this next set is its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, and oh my, the fashion <laughs> the twins have some fascinating adult matching outfits twins man they got those librarian buns and shit they do they've got like pink and blue like pastel oh, jackets god and then sarah has that she's uh i think it's like when they go up or maybe it's the night of the party i don't know she has that mini skirt within yeah. like a weird collared long sleeve shirt <laughs> On, yes. and then it's like, what is that? <laughs> what is what, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, which is so funny. Like, um, because there's an interview they talk about like for the the first one for sure, and I think they tried to apply this to the first couple. Like, the characters just wear jeans and t-shirts. Yeah. Like, there's nothing really... Well, because they're, they're camping. They're, they're in the wilderness. Right. It's exactly what you would wear to be camping. There's nothing in terms of their clothes that necessarily ties it to a specific time period. I mean, I guess aside from the bikers in part three. But, like, good God, this movie is 80s. <laughs> you, there's no question. Yeah. When this is taking place. <laughs> yeah. So kind of fun yeah but no definitely definitely a entertaining fun sequel yeah definitely yeah, it's weird but it's also like simple and straightforward and yeah and that's i think what's nice about it is it doesn't it's right before they start to do all the crazy shit so you kind of get the last sort of you know killer stalking you in the woods Teenagers incapacitated by alcohol and drugs and sex. Uh, like, pure version of that story. 
Right. Right. Yeah. And a very intriguing ending. Um, yes, yeah, that was very sudden, intriguing ending. Yeah, which, you know, they... It's interesting because, you know, we'll talk about this more in our next Friday the 13th special, which I believe is in December. Mm-hmm. Um, what they wanted to do was to end the story of Jason, but continue the Friday the 13th franchise um, with a new villain taking center stage. And obviously that didn't pan out, but it, it was supposed to be Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll, we'll tell you guys exactly how that pans out when we take a look at new beginning, but it's, yeah, you see, you see that here, obviously, like that's what it's intended to be. Um, which is interesting because I'm not, and I either don't remember or I don't know why even when they made part five, they kind of abandoned that idea. But I think it's interesting and I'm glad they didn't go that way just because of the whole angle of like, Oh, Tommy's into horror movies. So he's yeah. Like susceptible to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's got the gene. He's got the gene. Um, so, but that is, more a discussion for future for future for future friday the 13th for the future friday the 13th we're not there yet but we will be soon <laughs> before we get there you should talk to us mm-hmm. here are the ways you can do that <laughs> you can tweet at us at splatter chatter 666 uh, that's splatter chatter minus all the vowels in our handle if it's too difficult you can just search splatter chatter we'll pop right up you can email at us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. You can send us a Tumblr message at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. You can send us a, you can slide into our DMs on Instagram at splatterchatter666. I always want to add a dot there and there's not. It's Instagram. Um, you can check out Mr. Kreger's blog, specifically the 31 by 31 challenge. Uh, he's going to be rolling out. Uh, at splatterchatter666.blogspot.com. No, oh. oh my god, it's different. There's a different one I've lied to you. Yeah, it's okay, because it's brand new. It's brand new. He will it's reveal to you I what mean, it is. The, the blog still exists. Like, the domain is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go, but it's going to direct you to our new website, which is splatter-chatter.com. Ooh. Uh, nice and easy. And this year's 31 by 31 challenge is going on over there. As of this recording, there are two reviews up for the challenge. There will probably be more by the time you're listening to this, including one for Friday the 13th final chapter. Nice. Um, And the final place you can check out all things Splatter Chatter is our Patreon page at patreon.com slash splatterchatter666 if you're interested in learning more about and supporting the show. Nice. Nice. Fun. And I am I swear this year I'm actually going to do blog posts for my... I'm already thinking about what I'm going to write up for Carrie, so yeah. I, will, I will tweet those links whence, whence, when they become available. Yes, tweet away, and 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> I will. Uh, so I think that's going to wrap up our discussion on the final chapter for this Friday the 13th. We've got some exciting things mm-hmm. coming our way um, as we move into the spooky time of the year. Uh, next up is going to be episode 70, which is terribly exciting. Um, <laughs> what will we be doing? You have to wait and find out. Mm-hmm. And as you wait, of course, we want to remind you to keep up the creep. And until we chat with you again, we're going to say au revoir, adios.